know, you've been pivoting in the ways that are making your life more fulfilled, but at the same time are allowing you to help others as they're creating their businesses. And much like I was saying earlier, you've helped us a lot with our web design, our graphic design. So I appreciate all that you've done for us as well. Yeah, I appreciate you, Chris. And um, yes, I'm thankful to have uh, so many opportunities to work with different people in their small businesses, you know, and not just businesses, uh, period. Welcome to Entrepreneur Struggle, where each week we talk to founders and freelancers about their journey creating and scaling up their business. My name is Chris Colbert, and I'm the founder and CEO of the media company DCP Entertainment, as well as the video and podcast recording space, Podstream Studios Times Square. These conversations have been recorded with a live audience on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter, and we've brought you the best moments from our conversation, discussing the various struggles that founders have had to face. If you'd like to be part of the live conversations where we allow the audience to participate, please follow me on Instagram at Chris Colbert Report. In this episode, we talk to Danette High, a freelancer who wears many hats, including artist, graphic designer, web designer, and clothing designer. Basically, she does a lot of design work. And you can see some of her portfolio by looking at many of the DCP Entertainment podcast logos as well as the actual logos for DCP Entertainment itself and Podstream Studios. In this conversation, we talk about how she moved from working in corporate America into freelancing for small businesses, as well as other topics, including how she's worked to move past her perfectionism. Danette, I want to first start with your journey in terms of before you jumped into just freelancing. You were somebody who was working in corporate America. Can you Tell us a little bit about you know, how you got into some of the businesses that you worked with and how you were then realizing that you need to maybe step out on your own to be able to do the kind of creative work that you know, really you know, brings you passion and brings you happiness. Yeah. Um, yes, I was, um, I was working in corporate America for quite a few years. Um, and that was straight out of, um, straight out of college. And um, from that point, um, I was able to just um, learn a lot about how the corporate, you know, corporate structure and, and the way corporate works, and from a de- uh, the designer standpoint. And I worked in branding. I mean, I worked in all aspects of the creative area, starting from pretty much from the beginning, right out of high school. I mean, right out of college, and moved straight into um, <laughs> getting more into you know the different levels that design field allowed me to do so I did a little bit of everything I mean basically I learned photography as a process of being a graphic designer I was able to do um understand the printing industry which we don't have as much of it anymore everything's gone more digital but um starting with that aspect of it corporate America is where everything began and as a result of that I ended up meeting a lot of entrepreneurs that came through uh corporate America and getting a feel for their different businesses as well. And you after mind that some aspect, of the companies, you mind mentioning some oh, of the companies you were working with? Oh, not at all. Um, uh, McCormick and Company was uh, where I was working for almost 20 years. And then, the um, yeah, I know all about the spices. <laughs> and moving from there, um, I pretty much worked McCormick pretty much was my my entire career. What I was able to do while I was there was I was able to work with other companies um, on other smaller projects as a result of being, not just being with McCormick, but because there was an agreement 
that I could continue to uh, assist other companies as well or other businesses. Because when I came into that environment initially, I was actually a college freelancer. So I had started Mm -hmm. to build the business before I even got into McCormick. And they agreed that I could continue to keep my customers, um, keep, you know, maintain that, that base while I was there. So when you came, so when you came in, like when you had to sign a contract, did you have to negotiate around a non-compete kind of situation? Yes. Yeah. All that was arranged prior to, yeah, that was all in agreement. Um, because there were not, some of them were, um, a lot of them were smaller businesses. Uh, but I did have a few other ones that, um, were not. Yeah. And and so the reason I brought up the non-compete, by the way, is, you know, if you are somebody who's in the creative field, you want to be able to do work on the side. That's a big negotiable thing that you want to have up front with the company that you're going to work with. You know, if you're working full time for somebody, you want to do side projects, make sure you're looking at your contracts to to make sure that you have the ability to be able to operate outside of them and, and have a side hustle. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I made that arrangement going in. That was that was one of the top. That was my top, actually going in the door when I agreed to take the position. And so yeah. with um, what you were doing with these companies on the side, um, were you at that point, because you said a lot of them started as clients through McCormick, what was that that pivot where you have, because I feel like you have to be careful there because you don't want to take business away from say McCormick, but at the same time you're doing your thing on the side. How do you, how do you manage that? How do you balance that? Well, actually they were not clients of McCormick. They were clients that I came in with before I got to McCormick. So I had, I had already built, started to build a freelance business before I was hired by McCormick. So um, that made it a lot easier to be able to come in and say, I already, and I, I disposed, and I, of course, gave them all the information and, and all the details of the different businesses and, that I was working with at that time. So I always just gave them full transparency. Um, and as a result of that, they allowed me to continue to do that in the agreement. Did, was there ever a time where there was a, either a perceived or, or an actual conflict of interest that you had to, to try to work through with that? No, because right. it happened for a while. I mean, it happened probably for the first so many years, so many years of, after I started, maybe about five years in or something like that. Um, because then I just started to only focus on a few major um, small businesses that were growing. And I had committed uh, contracts with them. So I just continued to work with them and let some of the other stuff go. And I didn't take on any new ones. I didn't take anything new. I was only maintaining what I had already committed to. Because my workload started to increase at McCormick. Got so it. when that and started to that- increase, then, then you know, I, I felt the need to, to be committed to McCormick. So when was it that you then decided, okay, I, I, you know, working in corporate America, working for McCormick, I'm you know, doing these side things, but as you just said, you were you know, kind of offboarding some of them as you focus more on the full-time aspect. What, what was it? Was there a moment or, or just maybe were there just thoughts that led you to then feel like I need to go all in on my freelancing and or at least start the, the process of trying to get more into that space where I can now work on projects I want to, as opposed to just working on what the company has me working on. Yeah. I think I got to the point where I feel like um, there was a point at McCormick where I had, um, I had a, a, a list of goals and things that I really want to accomplish. And I had some type of design work, like for example, 
I wanted to be able to, I want to do billboards. I want to do um, trade show booths and I want to do all these different, different parts of graphic design. <laughs> well, the deliverables. And once I started to dwindle down that list, I've done it. I mean, I've wrapped cars. I've done, you know, done wraps. I've done billboards. I've done all these different things that I said, oh, maybe now that I've done it for McCormick, I, I want to start doing it for other businesses again. So that's when I said, oh, it's time for me to just go on and start transitioning to an to more of an entrepreneur position or a freelancer. So that's kind of how I went out the door with the freelance. Also, I have some ideas for some other type of businesses and, and products that I want to do for kids and things like that as well. And I know you, you know, just knowing you, I know you were just a natural artist, but at the same time, were there certain trainings that you had to do, like to, to especially as there's new technology evolving, was there certain training that you do or was it just self-taught in terms of, okay, you want to get into doing billboards now, how do you just jump into that? Yeah, I, um, I well, partly college did prepare me for some of that. I, I, after I went to undergraduate school, I didn't feel like I had enough or I had a cop or I had learned enough about the industry because I went for graphic design, visual communications for undergraduate, and then I did it to work on my master's degree as well. So that forced me to go back and um, actually spend that time to really dive a little deep into graphic design and what it's all, you know, what it was meant at that time to be a designer and, and learn a lot about the different touch points and how to be able to create for those touch points. Um, so I think that's, that's pretty much the direction that helped me to do that. And then after being able to get at McCormick and apply all of what I've learned and then to learn from other peers and other, you know, uh, I did do quite a few conferences and things like that as well and trainings and then tutorials and just sitting down doing what I, what I, what I always did intentionally every, uh, every time I wanted to learn a new software package or something, I would make sure I applied it to a real job, a real project that I was actually needed to accomplish. And that helped me to learn a lot faster and to go deeper with like that whole learning process. So I think that's why it was e easy for me to take that information and start to apply it across the board and all these different types of uh, creative, um, you know, assets and, and um, things that I could create. Were you able to, like you were mentioning some of the, you know, using a, a job essentially as a way to maybe test your skills or learn a new skill. Were you then also able to use it, like, especially while you were still working at McCormick, were you able to get them to pay for your training? Like, were there ways for you to kind of get new skills through maybe another company's wallet? Yeah, that was part of requirement being there. Um, they did, they, they budget for you to be able to have opportunity to train um, and learn, you know, to, to further your education as far as, you know, the different technologies and things that were happening in real time. So, yeah, I took advantage of all that. Every opportunity to go to a conference, a Adobe conference or any other type of conference that's going to help me or do a learning session or online session. So I was required to do this every year for a certain amount of you know time. So that was a big plus for me. That's probably why I was able to learn how to do so many different things or understand them. But my, my strong suit at McCormick was the design and printing. I mean, I could, I could tell you how to print almost anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah do you ever have 
I guess, situations with clients where you now have to figure out, okay, do I lower my rate to be able to, to get this potential client that I want to work, work with in the long term? Or you know, maybe it's a corporate client, so I'm going to up my rates. Like, do you base your rates based on who is coming to you or is it a, a set scale for you? Yeah, sometimes. Well, I, at one point I was, just, I was basing it on who was coming to me and what they were asking for and what level I had to create at. Because um, because of having the skills, I know how much time it would take and what my time is worth on one hand, um, you know, for a big ask as opposed to a smaller ask. Um, and I based it, uh, you know, I based it accordingly. So that made it a little a little easier for me. And then in some cases, if it's something that I just really wanted to get in the door of or I wanted to do because of any other personal type of reasons, um, then I would I would lower my rate. I would lower it just to get into door into the door, knowing that I'm okay with that because it's just something that I enjoy or I just want to do for that business or for whatever purpose. You know, it could be a give back or, or some type of um, you know, volunteering type um format that I would be thinking in mind, like, well, this is like, you know, for me to be able I just really want to do it because I want to give mm-hmm. it, but so I'll lower my rate accordingly. Well, it's, it's something that we were talking about earlier and you were kind of positioning it more about your learning skills at McCormick, like, or you were taking on certain projects and then learning. It sounds like, you know, much to what you're saying here, that sometimes you might take on a project as a way to, to get a nice proof of performance uh, around maybe doing something different. So now you can, you can deepen your, uh, uh, what is it called, portfolio. Yeah, uh, by taking on a certain gig and that maybe that gets you more money down the road. So that's part of that balancing act for you of, of how you take on jobs and maybe price them. Exactly. Yeah. That's a big part of it. Plus it just helps for you to learn and give you an opportunity to, Oh, I can learn at the same time. And then from that, you know, you can apply accordingly, you know, you can find other ways to apply it. So it benefits. It's a, it's a win-win in that sense you know, you're, you're taking on certain clients and they have their own timelines for when you have to turn things around. But I understand that, especially in that, that artistry world, you can sometimes have those blocks where just you know, the creativity isn't flowing the way it usually does. Have, have you had that challenge where, okay, you take on a project and now all of a sudden you, you have one of those blocks. Like how, how do you manage that? Um, yeah, I've had that happen quite a few times actually. Um, and I have a, couple of different processes that I try to work through and one of them is just remove myself I, I I'll remove myself from it for a period of time um and and then come back to it and, and then that way to give me a different view of it sometimes you walk away and do something different and come back later and it, and it works and then sometimes you can do that and it still doesn't work and that's when I just say well you know what I just gotta force it I just gotta keep pushing until I get it and get it and get something done and then I'll, um, that's when I just say, okay, stop what I'm doing, focus on that, and don't stop until you get something. Mm-hmm. And something shows up. Eventually, something will show up. It may not always be, you may not be as happy for it, because we all work credit a lot of times anyway, especially for being creative. You know, we're going to be the hardest on ourselves. Um, so I just keep pushing, and then I say, okay, I got, this is my deadline. I got to stop now and give them what I have. And <laughs> that's how I get through it. And speaking of those deadlines, too, I just know this is someone who doesn't create, you know, I, I wish I was an artist in that kind of way, but I don't know the time and, and energy that it takes to put into some of these things. So do you ever 
have to manage expectations, uh, you know, of your clients that they're coming to you and say, I need this turned around in a week, but it's, you know, you know that this is something that's going to take, you know, probably two weeks, maybe longer, especially because of that approval process. You, you, might, you might not hit it right on the nose uh, that, that first time. But yeah, how do you manage expectations with potential clients or actual clients that you have? Well, I, I normally try to um, build in extra time. Um, and if that doesn't work out, then I, um, you know, I go back and I just try to, um, you know, give them a little more of an understanding of what the process is involved to even get to, mm -hmm. to what they're asking. Um, and just, um, and a, lot, a lot of times they, you know, they're grateful that I even have the knowledge to even, you know, uh, be able to do what they need or the understanding to give them what they need and then the know how to get it done. And sometimes I do miss the mark. I miss it. And I say, Oh, I think it's, it's going to take me this amount of time. And then I get in there and I'm like, Oh, I forgot about that part. <laughs> oh yeah. I forgot I had to do that to get to here. Um, and then it, it creates that, you know, more time that I really didn't plan for. Then I have to go back to the client and say, mm, I'm, I apologize. I, I didn't, you know, I didn't um, calculate this correctly for timing. Then how do you manage that? Is that something where now you, you and maybe it's a different, it depends on maybe the situation, but do you then have to give some kind of discount or, you know, on that particular project or you say like, Hey, down the road, I'll, I'll give you something for free or cause you obviously want to maintain some of these relationships, yeah. if not all of them. So how do you then manage that? If you do have to come back and say, all right, I can't hit that deadline. You said, whether it be because, what you asked for was was too much or i just couldn't deliver uh because of various factors like you said maybe you had forgotten about some elements that you would have to factor in time-wise yeah i've done all of the above i've been in a situation where i've had to do it either discount a full refund um and just an apology that i just couldn't get it to work out i couldn't you know um timing wise i could not get it to fit within that time and get it done so I've done, like I said, all of the above. I've definitely have given money back because it, I just just couldn't get it done in time. I miscalculated things and, and I lost time on it. So, yeah. And and then in some cases, I actually just didn't charge at all. Just say, okay, um, I'm going to do this and get it done for you. And no, no charge. That makes sense. And as you're bringing on clients, you know, I think through your experience, you probably started noticing, okay, there's certain red flags I can know to discern what clients to work with and which ones not to. Can you talk about maybe some of those red flags that kind of work for you to be able to understand, okay, this is going to be a good client to work with, or this, you know, client might end up being a nightmare if I take them on. So it's not even worth, uh, it's not even worth the money that, that they might be offering. Yeah. Um, a lot of times it's, yeah, you can, I've had um, situations where I knew right away this is going to be a good client because they, they kind of had a feel for what they, they knew their expectations and they kind of had a feel for what they needed. Um, and they just need the full guidance to get to that final result. And, but they had enough information and um, know-how or understanding that just made it real easy for me to know, oh, I know I can work with this client and I would love to keep them on board permanently <laughs> if that's the <laughs> case. And then I've had the clients where um, the ones that I, I, I've turned, turned down immediately because I already knew that they either 
didn't understand or didn't know what they wanted, but they knew that they wanted something. And then after you go a couple of times and you give them a few, you know, you, you work with them for a little bit and you get a feel for, they have no idea. And I can't, I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to get them to get them to where they want to be because they don't know where they want to be. Um, I can kind of get a feel for some of those type of clients immediately now, whereas before I had to go down that whole road before I found out that they really um, didn't know. And then they weren't going to pay for that time because that's that's Hmm. the time part that they don't realize. It's like I keep coming back. Oh, no, that's not quite it. Well, our agreement was this. Give you three in this time frame. And if you're going to make revisions, I'll give you three opportunities. When it start getting it to four, five, six, and seven, that's telling me you're not sure what you really want because I believe that I am solving the problem. And if I'm not, then we probably should just end the relationship now because I may not be able to solve your problem. What made you decide that, okay, I need to, to get more of a, a specific focus? And if you're okay sharing it, what is that focus? And, and you know, how are you, how, how is that manifesting? Yeah, more of the... Um, I think it's more, it's, it's partly comes because of more what's happening, you know, in the industry, um, you know, to be folk, to be seen more as an expert in one area. Um, and that industry for me at this time would be more of my art, which is my full love of what I do and how to apply that art in the industry. Um, for, and, and for example, that goes back to like the, the t-shirt business that I was doing uh, years ago, I was creating all that art and that's a joy for me. Um, so to get, kind of get back into that. So doing illustrations are, you know, everything digital though. I'm not getting my hands dirty. <laughs> <laughs> well, even that, that new technology, so. Yeah, it's, it's gotta be digital. But, you know, so it'll be more of the long lines of merchandising and that type into that that perspective of the artwork. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that's that's the direction that I would go in from a niche okay. standpoint. I mean, I, I'm going to always have my graphics. I will always be able to do that. But I definitely want to just um, get more into, um, you know, creating the art and podcast logos and things like that. I do, you know, that's all incorporated in that. You know, let's say you're working with a client and you know, they you know, gave you the vibe of what they want. They don't know exactly what they want, but they give you this vibe. And so you're creating multiple options for them to choose from. How do you then decide, okay, it's time to give it to them? Because I know me, I'm a perfectionist. So it's like, it's hard for me to finally just give it to them and say like, all right, this is what you get to choose from. Cause I'm afraid I didn't hit on it yet. How like, do you set like a deadline? Okay. I'm only going to give three options. Cause you can easily probably create 20 or, I'm only going to give myself X amount of days to try to put this together. What kind of parameters and barriers do you give yourself to maybe push back on maybe not to you know, project, but I guess I'm projecting to, you know, so that you don't fall into your perfectionism. Yeah, that's been a little hard. <laughs> I've had my moments. That's been very challenging because I think that's where I, I came from that time. You know, it's different now, but that time period of that perfection, that was like, oh, you had to do it. So for me to be able to break that habit, it's taken me quite a few years. I'm not saying that I've totally broken yet. Um, <laughs> but um, the way that I, I, I handle now is I back to I just have to force myself to say this is the deadline. This is when it needs to be done. So whatever I have at that time, I'm just going to have to turn it over 
and 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 then take it from there and hope that you know we can just the the client can take a look at it and say well either they don't they like it or they don't um and then you just you know ask for more time to keep it moving and give it go back at it again is it tough to kind of separate your own emotion out of that, especially if maybe oh they, they come back and say, I don't want, you know, we're not even close. Uh, it, yeah. How do you separate that personal emotion that's tied to the work that you're creating? It used to or be a you? lot worse a while ago. <laughs> it was a lot harder. It was a lot harder to, to separate the emotion. I still don't separate it totally, but I'm okay with it. It's like, okay, well, you know, it's not it. I didn't. So I can just say, oh, okay, well, I'm going to go back again. And, and um, I'll ask a lot more questions and, and then move forward and go at it again. And if I don't ever get there, then I say, you know what, this, if this is not working for you. If you want to, you know, move on to someone else, I'll give them that opportunity. If I just can't give them what they want. Mm-hmm. Well, it sounds or like I'll, you're, you're trying not to take it too personal, but you know, you make it about, okay, our our visions just don't align. It's not that I can't do good work. We just aren't aligned aligned on the vision. Maybe we're just not a good fit. Yeah, exactly. Aligned. Yeah, it's just a, maybe we we're, we're not a good fit for for what you need. Um, and I'm okay with that. But years ago, that wasn't that. It was a lot harder. <laughs> that was stuff <laughs> because you're thinking, oh my god, I didn't get it done right. I didn't do it right. I, you know, I'm bad. You know, you start to really attack yourself in some ways. Just um. You know, thinking about, oh, I really wanted to do this right, but I didn't. And it's not whether it's right or wrong. It's just not what that customer needed at that time or that customer wants. And you just might not be the, the fit for them. So then at one point I started saying, well, if that's the case, then let me find someone who can help you do it. So if I can't get it done, let me recommend somebody that may be able to help you get what right. you want. So that would be my other solution. Yeah, and you're still bringing value to that client because hopefully you'll then connect them with somebody who can get with them what they need. And I think that allows you to maintain your credibility as well, that you're not going to just keep trying to push through to get their money, but you're going to set them up to have the kind of success that they want to see. Yeah, yeah. Because a lot of times at that point, when I get to that point, I'm not even thinking about the money. I'm just thinking about how can I give them a good solution that's going to you know, to work for them. So I've already removed myself from the, that point. Uh, of the of the money because I'm at that point I'm not even going to ask for anymore. You know what I mean? Hmm. It's like I just feel the need to if I if I'm not going to deliver or if I even deliver in some cases I may say hey you know I'm thankful you gave me the extra time and I'm going to give you a discount as a result of sticking in there with me until I got you what you um, what was a good solution for you. Got it. Well, speaking of extra time, again, I appreciate you giving us a little bit of extra time here. Um, I know we went over a little bit, so I appreciate you. I appreciate you know, <laughs> appreciate those in the audience who stuck around after time, too. But before we fully close out here, again, if you can let people know where to check out your work, social media, website, all that good stuff, and also any, you know, any things that you want to, to let people know about, you know, what's going to be coming, including, you know, some of the training that you're going to be doing. Okay. Yeah. Um, you can check me out at, on Instagram, uh, Dennett. C High H I G H um, on all the other socials. I believe it's just Dennett High. Uh, that would be um, in LinkedIn, Facebook, and um, and um, not YouTube yet, but YouTube is coming. I will all be right, doing good. YouTube t- tutorials. Um, I will probably start focusing on YouTube tutorials for the kids and how to draw. Um, 
but the focus is going to be drawing family members so that kids can start to, you know, have that connection with you know, the family a little more in a creative way. Thank you, Danette High, and thank you for listening to Entrepreneur Struggle. If you'd like to learn more about Danette and her businesses, or if you'd like to be part of our audience for live recordings, please visit our show notes. Thank you to my producer, Heather Johnson. And until next Entrepreneur Struggle, stay safe and stay healthy because the struggle is real.